On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, hit the panic button. The Summer League Raptors are 0-2. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, July the 10th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and you can also go and join the Locked On Raptors Discord server, which is awesome. It's a great place to hang out, great place to talk about summer league ball, great place to, you know, posit fake trades and have insane takes in our little safe space for crazy takes section. It's lovely. Come hang out. Link is in the description. We'd love to see you in there to be part of our growing community of listeners around the show. Uh, on today's show, we got a lot to get to. We're going to get into summer league as the Toronto Raptors are 0-2 down in Vegas, and uh, everyone's very upset about it or something. I don't care, but uh, we'll get into our takeaways from the games. Of course, Grady Dick, Marquise Noel, kind of the two big names to watch down there. Plus, over the weekend, the NBA announced the details for the in-season tournament. Very excited to talk with our guests today about that. And we have, at the end, uh, a little look at a sort of a preview of tomorrow's episode where I'm going to go through and rank potential guard targets for the Raptors as the offseason progresses here. Uh, we're just going to do a little status check on the state of the Toronto Raptors guard position and some potential options to upgrade it at the end of the show. But let's bring in our guests now from Raptors.com. It is, of course, Vivek Jacob. Big V, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I am uh, rocking the uh, Blue Jays cricket jersey. Hell yeah. It's celebration time seeing uh, Arjun Namala get drafted. So, yes. Rooting for him. We'll see what happens. Long way to go, but very exciting times. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I, I expect uh, nothing less than excellent sports garb for you. This is beautiful. We'll love it. Love, love it. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get into it now, shall we, Big V? Summer League is underway. Two games in the books for the Raptors. Two losses in the books for the Raptors. Uh, not that it's all that important because, frankly, there is one real NBA prospect on this Raptors Summer League team. No Jeff Doughton. No Christian Coloco. That hurts. That's basically what would form the spine of the theoretical Raptors Summer League team. So uh, it's not exactly surprising that they're struggling with things like scoring points, etc. But, uh, you know, what are your sort of big takeaways from the first couple of games here? Obviously, Grady Dick having some shooting issues, but some other stuff on display. Uh, Marquise Noel having an excellent first game. What are you thinking about after two Summer League games for the Raptors? What are your, your big pullaways? So full disclosure, um, between Wimbledon action and the Canada US game last night, I had the uh, summer league game recorded and just like <laughs> zoomed through it, um, yeah. and just kind of watched, you know, the the stretches for the starters. Summer uh, league is made for PVR, man. I, like I cannot <laughs> express enough how valuable PVR is when summer league basketball is happening. Exactly. So, um. You know, I think Marquis Noel has obviously been the standout. I think uh, 
there's some turnover issues that you could anticipate being a bigger problem at the NBA level uh, mm -hmm. and what he's trying to do. Uh, I think the encouraging thing for him is like he has no issues shooting from deep. Uh, no. And I think uh, at his size, that's something that's really important. I think, you know, with Fred Van Vliet, we kind of saw him steadily extend his range over the course of his uh, Raptors tenure. And I think that's something you just need um, the smaller you are. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that was encouraging um, and like really good smarts on the defensive end. I thought that, you know, he kind of has a really good nose for the ball, anticipates plays really well um, and was able to create some deflections. And so I, I think that part of it w was very encouraging with Grady Dick. Uh, I thought the, the first half or so couldn't uh, of the first game couldn't have gone worse <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he really struggled and you know some of that would have surely been nerves some of that would have been you know just like wanting to get that first bucket to go and you know not actually getting it so uh some of that uh factors in but i thought by the end of what i saw in the second game um we were seeing more of a guy who's just saying hey let me like just take what the defense is giving me let me uh rebound the basketball let me you know make plays for others I, and i think that is where uh it all kind of started to come together uh and so i think that was sort of the most encouraging thing and suggests to me he's someone that kind of you know learns pretty quickly and so mm -hmm. uh, i think that's what i'm most encouraged by and overall uh i think you want to see that i think there have been comments and you know from watching his highlights it's like hey this is more than just a shooter and i think by the end of that second game you kind of started to see that yeah i think on grady dick he really like his fluidity really stands out to me like the way he moves away from the ball like he doesn't have this sort of quick quick twitch first step athleticism that you typically associate with an athlete quote unquote but the way that he just kind of can move change directions sort of keep on balance even when he's like getting contested he's getting into traffic like that's gonna serve him very very well and i made this comment in the lockdown raptors discord over the weekend and it maybe sounds stupid but like he i'm encouraged by the fact that he can do backflips off of cars is that a bad thing like is that is that crazy <laughs> to say like i feel like as much as you know we laugh at the tiktok stuff he's displaying pretty important physical traits when he's doing insane dances and flipping off of cars that are going to serve him well in ways in the nba like he, he's just got a lot of sort of elasticity to the way he moves and i think that stands out and, and frankly you know, he hits a couple extra threes over the weekend. We're probably all going bananas crazy over Grady Dick for everything else that he does. And, and I think there's just like a lot there. The rebounding, it, it kind of stands out. He can hunt down his own misses if that's going to happen. Um, you know, and I think just the fact that he can kind of get his shot, shot off anywhere is really, really valuable, important. It's going to be, I think, even more amplified when he's playing with better players as well, when other actual star players are kind of drawing attention and leaving him as sort of an outlet. I, I think that's going to serve him well. And overall, yeah, I mean, the, the passing on the move, he can make those sort of one-handed passes to the next guy when he's getting downhill. There's a lot there to like with Grady Dick. It'd be nice to see him hit a couple more shots, but I do not fear for the accuracy of his three-point shot necessarily, despite uh, a couple of summer league, you know, misfiring outings and, you know, one of three in the second game. It's fine. He got his looks off from two and all that. No issues there. Marquise Noel... 
I'm fascinated. I I think, you know, he's not going to be a real contributor to the Raptors in 23-24. I would be pretty stunned by that. Uh, but I do think there is a, a lot to like there. And you mentioned sort of the way he overcomes his size with his shooting. I feel like he also has a pretty good understanding of how to, like, use his stature to his advantage as a playmaker as well. Just kind of, like, knifing into weird pockets of the defense and being able to throw weird passes at weird angles around taller people. He seems to have a pretty good understanding that he is, in fact, five foot seven and has to get a little innovative to try to make it work for him. And he had a couple passes in that, game, in that first game in particular. He was, like... Running a pick and roll with Moses Brown on the right side, he drives, he gets kind of walled off by two defenders and throws this ridiculous skip pass over everyone's heads to Ron Harper Jr. for like a perfect in the pocket three. Uh, I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll that that'll work. Like, And if you can do that at 5'7", when a defense is walling you off on one side of the floor, I think there's some potential there for the playmaking. Again, the height is always going to be a limiting factor for him, but pretty encouraged by what we saw and the way he can kind of overcome his miniature stature. Um, any other guys from the Raptors Summer League team stand out? You know, <laughs> it's not exactly a, a loaded roster. It's not exactly the Norm Powell era Raptors Summer League teams, but... Uh, uh, anyone else kind of stand out to you as like, oh, maybe they'll be in the mix for like a two-way or something like that? As Joe Wieskamp in particular, I don't think really did much to solidify his hold on a guaranteed roster spot on next year's team. Yeah, I think if anything, you know, we, we can talk a lot on those lines of Wieskamp maybe, you know, not doing enough. And mm -hmm. it's hard to see where he kind of separates himself, uh, even more so now with Grady Dick in the picture. Uh, and so... It, I think it's going to be tough for him. Um, and he'll be on the outside looking in. Uh, beyond that, you know, it would it would have been really nice to see Jeff Doughton and Christian Coloco mm -hmm. uh, in the mix. Um, Moses Brown has been interesting, uh, but, I, you know, not in like a Raptors-y way, probably more of a 905-y way. <laughs> the, second, the second the Raptors 905 team got announced, sorry, the Raptors Summer League team got announced, Nick Angstad, the host of Locked On Mavs, texted me. He's like, "Don't get excited about Moses Brown. Don't do it. Don't do it." So uh, I'm I'm taking his word for it. Yeah, 905 seems like maybe his destination. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and you know, I, I think that chemistry that he's had with uh, Marcus Noel kind of bodes well if, if they end up there together. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it could be some fun basketball there. Um, if nothing else, as an appreciator of contrast, it's fun to watch those two run pick and roll together because it's very bizarre yeah. height-wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he's pretty good with his catches and he gets on the glass. And so uh, I, th I think he's perfectly fine for the 905. Yeah, as far as Wieskamp, I, I think he's probably not long for the Raptors roster. I would imagine his roster spot will ultimately end up going to Jeff Doughton. Like... Yeah, obviously, Downton's not officially signed yet. I think they still have his RFA rights. And so I would imagine that's how this is going to go, barring some sort of trade, which we can get into later on as well. But um, yeah, otherwise, you know, I'm rooting for Ron Harper Jr. Dude is like slow and really kind of plodding and methodical, but 
there's some stuff there. He seems to, he, again, he passes the knows where to stand test. He seems to really kind of um, have a good feel for the game. It's just, will he be athletic enough to really make good on it? But, I, you know, I, I would not be upset with another two-way for Ron Harper, especially considering the quality of his sideline celebrations. But otherwise, not a ton of takeaways from Summer League so far. We'll put a pin in that for now. More Summer League action to come this week, of course. I think they're back in action tonight or tomorrow. Please forgive me. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but uh, we'll, we'll get into the games as they come. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back to the other side, get into the in-season tournament, which I'm very excited about. And I'm curious what Big V is thinking, too. As a soccer man, as an international sport lover, I'm curious what, uh, what Big V's thoughts are on the in-season tournament. As we know the format, we know the Raptors pool opponents as well. I love a pool. I love uh, just like drawing teams out of a hopper and putting them in based on their pots. It's fantastic. We'll get to all that in a sec here before we do that. However, got to tell you about our friends over at Ibotta, which is uh, a place that's going to help you earn money on the stuff you're going to buy anyway, so why wouldn't you go and give them a try? Picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you know you're already going to be doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure that you're beating the inflation no matter what as you are buying up your goods. Either link your loyalty account or your upload or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns about 120 bucks a year. That could cover the entire cost of your bar of your bill for your barbecue that you're hosting this weekend. Right now, go to Ibotta. They're offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Again, Ibotta is offering our listeners 5 bucks just for trying Ibotta. Use the code LOCKED. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play Store or App Store using the code LOCKED. All right, we continue on here. Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com along as we trudge forward on a Big V Monday, one of those grandest of traditions here on Locked on Raptors. Uh, Big V, over the weekend, we get the press release, the email, if you will, outlining the NBA's in-season tournament, which will come into effect next season, and uh, something that I have been championing for a very long time. There is a now-deleted blog post from my old WordPress from way back in the day when I was just getting into the blog game uh, where I made uh, my impassioned plea for there to be an in-season tournament in the NBA. It took like 10 years for it to come into place since I wrote that blog post, but... It is here, it is coming, and uh, I am personally very excited. People who listen to this show know that I've been a pro in-season tournament, I think. But I'm curious for you, Big V, uh, your reaction to the in-season tournament, the format, which we'll see uh, basically all of November, Tuesday and Friday nights, be devoted to tournament nights, which will include games, pool games of the teams involved, and uh, it's going to be, I think, an absolute blast. It's going to add some juice to November. Where are you at with the in-season tournament, the format, and how it's all going to play out? Yeah, I think uh, the timing of it is good where and mm -hmm. I like that you're adding the context to these regular season games and not mm -hmm. sort of piling onto the schedule. Yeah. Um, and so I think that part of it is good. I look forward to seeing uh, the jerseys. Adam Silver said that there will be uh, different jerseys. So are we going mm -hmm. soccer style jerseys? And <laughs> got, got to sell more stuff, man. <laughs> got to get those little tournament patches on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um excited to see that i think the big thing is going to be the, the level of investment from the players come the knockout stages 
right? Mm-hmm. And that is what is going to sell it. And I, I think also, you know, I think you have to build some type of history. Um, Absolutely. And before it really becomes a thing. And I, I could see people just being like, hey, whatever, who cares about this? Um, and so if you, if you want to make a soccer comparison, obviously the dream is to get it like, you know, those domestic cups, like the FA Cup, like, um, you know, the Copa Italia, whatever it is, the Copa mm-hmm. del Rey, um, mm-hmm. that's the goal. Uh, but if if it ends up flaming out, then it's going to look something like the UEFA Nations League, right? <laughs> hey, so. now, uh, <laughs> leave the Nations League alone. <laughs> uh, and so I think uh, you've got to find that fine line. Um, and I think usually these things work when you get some sort of preview um, of what, you know, the playoffs might look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, the Nations League as a selling point missed out because it's like France kind of didn't care, got humiliated, <laughs> went to the final, you know, uh, at the <laughs> World Cup. Uh, and so I think you had a bunch of these teams that didn't care about the Nations League and then all of a sudden they go to the World Cup and they do really well. So it's like, oh, okay, there's nothing to really take away from this, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that is an element that will be needed um, from the uh, in-season tournament is like, hey, what do we take away from this uh, as opposed to it just being like a standalone thing? If it can be, if, if, if it can sell as just a standalone thing, amazing, all for it. Uh, and maybe that appeal will be there with just like, you know, the single elimination aspect of it. And, you know, maybe, you know, more upsets and all of that. Maybe that mm-hmm. just sells on its own. Um, but that's probably what I'm looking to see. That's interesting. I, I never thought of it in the way of like it being a preview of maybe that, that year's playoffs. I do think I'm fascinated by the idea of it being like a preview of potential things to come many years down the line as young teams maybe take this a little bit more seriously than sort of more wizened championship focused teams. I still think like the there's Carabao going Cup. to be. In... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I win that thing every year in uh, in FIFA. It's outstanding. I, I, I just walk into the final with Ipswich Town as my team. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think you know. It, it, I know there's this worry that like the teams that are the best are not going to care about it. I mean, there is baked in reason to care because it's also regular season action. And you know, to anyone who's like, "Well, they're not going to care about these games," well, like, well, no, they, they probably stand a chance of caring about these games more because they have dual meaning as opposed to your run-of-the-mill November game, which is typically before we even get into like full-on rest season anyway, right? Like, these are still teams early in the year, like still trying to figure themselves out, which I think will be part of the fun here as well. Um, and you could see teams that maybe have higher ambitions stumble because it's early in the year; they haven't quite figured their stuff out. I think there's a lot of interesting things things that could go on to kind of add intrigue to it all. But ultimately, for me, it comes down to a couple things. One, it's nice to have another thing to compete for, even though it's not going to be viewed as anywhere on the same level of, of a championship. Guess what? This is a league where still like over a third of the teams in the league's history have not won a championship before or made a finals. Like, it's nice to have another thing to care about for those teams because you have to be realistic when you're an NBA fan. It's really hard for your team to win a championship. If you can go win a league cup a couple times, that's fun. Like, that adds to... (laughs) 
uh, your franchise's you know, overall CV and all that stuff. I think there's value to that. I am also not under any illusion that they're going. there's going to be like 100% full buy-in in year one. But I do think the NBA is going to make it feel important, which is a big thing. They're going to devote tournament nights, Tuesdays and Fridays. I think that's big. Um, building it into an event, like if they tell, if they, if they just like hammer it over and over, this matters. Eventually, people are going to be like, wow, this matters. The NBA is telling me so, so it must matter. Um, and I just think... The, the the main thing that's great about this is it introduces more single elimination basketball, which, which I think everybody agrees is like one of the best things in the world. It's why the play-in tournament's been a lot of fun and really enjoyable. It's why uh, NCAA March Madness is the best thing there is in sports. Single elimination basketball rocks. The potential for upset rocks and the potential to have like a mixture of young up-and-coming teams that are taking the tournament seriously and contenders that just like are there because they're contenders and they win in their groups and all of that stuff uh, i think it's uh it's really really fun the raptors group in this is pretty interesting big v um i had it in front of me but i i'm just gonna pull it up so i'm not accidentally misquoting it but the toronto raptors will be in group c in the Eastern Conference, their te- opponents will be the Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, the Chicago Bulls. We love single elimination games against the Bulls uh, and the Orlando Magic. I guess it won't be single elimination. It'll be group stage, regular season, dual meaning, all of that. Um, but thoughts on the uh, on the group they've been drawn into here? Do you have any? I mean, we, these rosters still aren't complete. We don't even know if the Raptors roster is complete right now. But um, are they in a group of death, Big V? I mean, I'm I'm not gonna call it a group of death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a group of like one contender and a bunch of like eh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, depending on how uh, interesting like Utah is this year, like you could see Memphis, Phoenix, the Lakers, Utah, Portland. Like that that one, yeah, would be really tough, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I think that one's really interesting. Um, but yeah, looking looking at Toronto's group, like. Boston's obviously the best team in that group. Um, and then after that, it's, you know, you, you, Orlando might be the second best team in there, right? So um, I, th- I think that's going to be uh, manageable. Um, mm-hmm. So you see you see how it goes. Um, and, you know, you're playing four games. So uh, there's enough opportunity there uh, to make stuff happen in, in a four-game span. And, yeah, I... I if I had to pick two teams to advance out of that, you know, uh, you're probably looking at uh, Boston, Orlando, but we'll see. Yeah, this doesn't feel like the group where the second seed is going to make it through. Uh, <laughs> of course, it's <laughs> it's all the top seeds and then the uh, the next best two seed within the East that we're going to advance to the quarterfinals. I'm really excited for it, man. Uh, I think it's got a lot of potential to kind of add some juice. Do I, is it like a perfect format? Maybe not. Like I would love more knockout games, you know, (laughs) truth be told. But um, I also understand that there are limitations with the schedule and all of that. And I think they've done a pretty good job of kind of, meeting people in the middle the people who want to see like the schedule shortened and so they're like aghast at the idea of more competitive basketball to have to play versus the people who wanted a tournament uh in sort of a more full fleshed fleshed out version i think this is a good little happy medium compromise and i'm uh quite looking forward to it tournament nights it's going to be a thing i'm uh you know any way to make november basketball a little more intriguing a little more exciting i think is uh is a very good thing 
Big V, we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk about guards because uh, the Toronto Raptors don't got many of those right now. And uh, as we talked about with the Summer League, it doesn't seem like there's a solution coming anytime soon to that position either. So we're going to dig into the state of the Raptors guard position and what comes next ahead of tomorrow's show where I'm going to run through a whole bunch of names and uh, why the Raptors should or should not go and pursue them on the trade market or free agent market or whatever. We'll get to that in just a sec. Before we do that, however, just a reminder, go check out Locked on Leafs. Our pals, Mike and Dave, are uh, watching the William Nylander trade watch uh, very, very closely. And uh, if anything goes down, they'll be there to break it down. Please go check out Locked on Leafs wherever you get your podcasts on your favorite podcast apps or on YouTube. All right, Big V, let's round it out here. The guard situation. This is a thing I've been thinking about ever since Fred Van Vliet left and uh, Dennis Schroeder was signed as the replacement. (sighs) This position's looking grim right now, Big V, and I just, I don't see a pathway to any sort of viable offense for this Raptors roster as it stands right now without a little more guard play and ideally some shooting added to the mix via that guard play. It's going to be very cramped, very tough, and I don't think it's like a properly conducive environment for development either if you're talking about Scotty Barnes and all of that. Something feels like it's got to give. It feels like the Raptors at some point are going to have to address their guard position. If they don't, I think that's kind of gross negligence, but uh, it's still early in the offseason. We don't need to uh, jump to point fingers just yet at failures in team building. But as it stands right now, the guard position just ain't going to cut it in the NBA in 2023-24 as it stands right now. What are your sort of feelings right now about the guard spot? Is there any sort of glimmer of hope from deep within the roster? Is the solution inside the house? Or is there a move outside they're going to have to make? And is there anyone who kind of comes to mind as like an ideal target for the Raptors to go and pursue to hopefully address this very glaring hole in the roster? Well, Kobe Bufkin looked pretty good last night. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it does feel like the Hawks thing is kind of dead for now with the DeJounte Murray extensions. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I think that's a hole that the Raptors have dug themselves in. And again, you know, in terms of misreading, misplaying the Fred situation, maybe, you know, you, you had to look at the draft a, a bit differently as well. Um, mm. And so it... It is what it is at this point. Um, Grady should Dick be said, like Grady Dick was mocked well ahead of 13, basically universally leading into the draft. So him being there at 13, I don't think you can blame them for taking him as opposed to like a pure guard. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, but again, like when you looked at the roster, the glaring need was at guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why a lot of us looked at it and kind of were like, hey, who are the guards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, I think we'll we'll have to just see how that plays out. But yeah, in terms of the trade market, uh, again, the Siakam situation, we got to see how it plays out. Um, Mm -hmm. If it's not Atlanta, uh, what other teams might get involved, uh, we'll have to see. But, uh, you know, that's probably the best way to address it uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of in terms of just return. Right. Uh, If you you think that, uh, you know, you just want to get the ball in Scotty's hands as much as possible and see what that looks like and, you know, deal with the growing pains that come with it. Um, and, you know, let this season kind of be what it is. Then, then I think that kind of points more towards Pascal uh, being moved as well. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think the situation uh, is again, one where they back themselves into a corner at the trade deadline. And now all of it is kind of 
coming to fruition all, all of it all the decisions that need to be made around that now because you missed out on re-signing one of your key free agents uh you're having to deal with it so that's mm-hmm. just the reality of the situation now yeah i mean it's uh the whole scotty at point guard thing i i, I just I don't agree with it on so many levels. As much as like I, I think he should have the ball in his hands and they should be trying stuff out and giving him some runway there, you can't have him be your only plan at the spot. And I know Dennis Schroeder's on the team. I feel like Dennis Schroeder is going to be the backup point guard, and that's perfectly fine. If he's your backup, you're in a pretty good spot, actually. He's a very serviceable backup and you know would start yeah. on a lot of teams. Might start on this team. I don't think he can because there won't be any shooting in the lineup. You have to have Gary shooting in there. But um, I, I just think it's not a an ideal path to send Scotty Barnes' development down because he does a lot of other things extremely well, Big V. Like, it's, like he can affect the game as a screener, as a role man, as a guy around the bucket, as someone who can post up. Like... It's just, it seems like such a misuse of all the things he does well to just be like, well, you're the point guard now. Just go run the offense. Like, again, if he can do it, great, but he also doesn't have the requisite skills right now to effectively do it. And so there will be a lot of pain if he is being asked to be the full-time point guard. It just, it doesn't feel tenable to me. And so, yeah, that does make it feel like there has to be a trade coming at some point here soon. We'll get into some specific targets a little more deep, deeply tomorrow, but I am curious... As far as the trade market goes, I know Chris Boucher has been kind of thrown out as like the guy who's going to get moved. And, and can you swap him for a guard from another sort of guard rich team? Um, you know, I, I do wonder if Boucher's trade value is maybe not like sky high necessarily. He makes a pretty decent chunk of change and has money on the books through not only this coming season, but the one after as well. Um, you know, it, it's I, I, I'm wondering... Would Precious Achua be on the table for you if you're the Raptors as like a, an asset to try to pry a guard from a team that's maybe looking for a younger project style dude to add into their mix? Maybe a team that has a lot of guards, maybe not super rich in the forward department. Um, I, I, I love Precious. I think his defensive upside is so high that it's like kind of dangerous to think about moving on from him because if he ever figures out the offense, that's going to be a really, really good player on a good team. But... I also wonder if maybe now is the time before you have to pay him in a year to potentially dangle him out there. And the guy who comes to mind is Ayo Desunmu. Um, you know, obviously it would have to be a sign and trade situation as he is a, an RFA for the Bulls right now. But, you know, there's been rumors that they've been attached to him. Jake Fisher reporting it, I believe. I, I think, you know, as far as guys you could take a shot on Dasunmu makes a lot of sense very rugged defender had a really nice rookie season where he shot 37 percent from deep and was a really effective player for them kind of filling in the void after Lonzo Ball got hurt um, last year was a bit of a step back but you know he's a young guy I, I'm not just totally concerned that that's like what he is going to be long term going forward and so like if if precious is what it takes to get a young guy like Dasunmu in the door would you be okay with that uh I think I might want someone who's uh, a bit more shooting inclined. Sure. Um, I think when you look at the weaknesses of this roster, like I would want uh, a guard who, who's, you know, a bit more shooting inclined. I think uh, he's improved his stroke. Uh, I think uh, he's, I think he can be really good defensively. Um, it's, 
it's probably a fair trade because you know you kind of think about it and it, it the ones that you're sort of on the fence about are probably mm-hmm. the ones that are the fairest <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so i think when you look at the return i i don't uh, i don't really have any complaints in terms of the return but i would probably try to shop for uh, a bit more of a volume shooter um and and yeah uh, i think that's where i'd lean for now right i think if it comes if it comes down to hey you you're coming up on september october whatever it is and it's like hey we we haven't addressed the guard spot then yeah i'd probably mm-hmm. uh just go ahead and do it but for now mm-hmm. i'd probably be shopping um elsewhere see i i think with io like all the indicators are there that he's a pretty effective shooter, right? He shot like 38% as a rookie. It was 31% last year, but like he's a good free throw shooter. He shot 80% from the line last year, up from 68% as a rookie. Like I think there's some shooting potential to tap into there. And he also brings rim pressure, which the Raptors desperately need. And like scoring at the rim, which is something that they don't have from their guards right now. Dennis Schroeder, worse finisher at the rim than Fred Van Vliet. Uh, don't forget that. Um, but last year, Io, 68% inside three feet, 70% inside three feet as a rookie. Um, shoots well above, you know, close to 60% on his twos throughout his career so far. Again, pretty small samples, only six attempts a game on twos, but that's still something. And I think, um, you know, that there, there's, there's something to tap into there for sure with a guy who's played 2,000 minutes across his first two NBA seasons, like, you know, over 4,000 career minutes. Like, he's been trusted. He's been asked to play a lot. He's performed quite well within that. I, I think Io is pretty high on my list, and I, I think I would make Precious available for him in a sign-and-trade situation just to... I think it becomes easier with Jalen McDaniels in the door for the next couple of years because you have a bit of insurance at that sort of defensive four-ish type position, which yeah. Precious is at right now. And I think Jalen probably brings higher shooting upside than Precious does too. So I think mm-hmm. with McDaniels being in the door it makes Precious a little bit more of an intriguing potential guy to ship out. And Io might be atop my list, you know, other than Damian Lillard, of course, uh, who we don't need to relitigate right now. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, we'll we'll get into some more potential guard targets tomorrow. I I just think it's worth noting that this roster feels very incomplete right now. And uh, I I think you have to expect there's going to be more moves to come. If not, there are some pretty serious questions to ask, I think, about the team-building philosophy uh, of the front office, uh, if there aren't already those questions to be asked i suppose um we'll leave it there for now big v anything you want to promote for the good people out there uh, usual stuff raptors.com you can follow me on twitter at the vacuum jacob hell yeah go do that uh read all of uh, big v's great stuff had a grady dick one-on-one from last week or a week or two ago so go check that out uh you can find all my stuff uh here on the podcast so thanks for being here subscribe rate review all that good stuff uh go and tell a friend word of mouth still a big way for podcasts to spread around uh and uh, please uh, you know do, do all the stuff uh, hit the subscribe button join the discord all that stuff that we ask you to do that i feel like i can't get out of my mouth right now because my brain's not firing very well either way appreciate you hanging around we'll be back again tomorrow to run through more potential guard targets for the raptors io desunmu delon wright cole anthony feel the rush we will do that tomorrow thank you very much have a lovely rest of your day thanks for hanging bye-bye